Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. We all face certain challenges in our lives. Some of those may be external, and some of them may be more hidden. Oftentimes, we define a disability as a lack of capacity to do certain things. But what if someone's disability became the challenge that they overcame to inspire and guide others to a more purpose-filled life? My guest, Michael Kutcher, a public speaker and disability advocate, is a testament to the power of transcending disabilities and creating a life of contribution and meaning. Join me this week as we follow his incredible story of courage, perseverance, and hope. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. I had a, a dream, uh, not really a dream, but kind of a thought last night about a, a term, because I always struggle with the word disability, because if you break it down, it's negative. Well, I mean, remember, remember the old days when you always said, oh, man, you got dissed. You got dissed. Think of, like, dismemberment, disenchanted, uh, disarm. The actual prefix of the word means negative. Well, yeah, it's like lack, right? So, yeah. like, Dude, lack of awesome. ability. But, yeah, so, and it's, like, there's nothing, like, dis about it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was thinking last night, and I'm like, because someone told me, like, you know, there's no difference. Like, we just have different, you and I, I may have a disability, quote, unquote, but I'm no different than you. And I thought to myself, okay, what's a word here? Like, different ability. And then thinking diffability, right? So we don't have a disability, we have a diffability, but we all have diffabilities. No doubt. Because I'll tell you, there's a story about my nephew that, you know, he's four years old, but he can recite the periodic table of elements with the corresponding atomic numbers. He can tell you all of the bones in the human body. He's starting to do math at the same level that my my seven-year-old daughter is, stepdaughter is, and uh, he's four years old. But he could pro- he could never sit at a table with you and have a conversation with you. Right. And when he goes to, like, approach you, it takes all his might to hug you. Like, he's not real affectionate with people he doesn't really, really know. So, I mean, because he would diagnose with autism. Right? So, the question I bear to everyone that I ask people is, so... Who's really the disabled one? Like you that can hold a conversation and don't know jack about the periodic table or this four-year-old that's brilliant, right? So, yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a great, it's a great question for a lot of people. It's interesting when you talk about that. Um, what, what it reminds me of, Michael, is I worked in the school district for like 10 years up in Cheyenne. Okay. And one of my kiddos, and I refer to him in my book as Charlie, um, that I, that's not his actual name, right, but just right. to protect his an, yeah, um, yeah. anonymity. And this kiddo has been so special to me. From third to sixth grade, I worked with him. 
He mm-hmm. also was diagnosed with autism. Okay. Um, had amazing skills. His his were auditory memory. Right. So when I first met him in third grade, he came in and he was talking about Tommy, Thomas the Train. And he could come in and recite full episodes. And I yeah. loved it. Like by sixth grade, he could come in and he actually had even like the variance in his tone. He Like he he loved the Discovery Channel. So he would come in and say, right? <laughs> and he'd go, imagine, if you will, a great white shark, 300 feet. And he'd, and he'd say the whole monologue. He knew all of it. That's so awesome. It was so awesome. And and one of the special gifts that Charlie taught me was, was that whole gift of there not being this difference, right? Yeah. And I, I think that it just, it's, it's, you, know, you went through your interaction and you were blessed with having the interaction with Charlie, right? And I was blessed with having the interaction with all the kids I constantly have interactions with and with Max, right? Max is, my nephew is really the first individual that I've interacted with with autism. And I think that we we kind of garner some of that, that experience with us and we learn and grow from it. But I feel that my job and like moving forward is to teach that perception to the rest of society. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In, in some ways we've had this unique corner, Yeah, you know, if you will, or this window to that world and been able to have really an appreciation for it in within our interaction. Yeah. But so many people don't have that opportunity. And if they do have that opportunity, they're kind of standoffish or they don't understand it. And what we don't understand, we fear. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly right. And, you know, if you look at, you know, if everyone kind of asks a, que- a question, okay, what what foundation or what cause and I'm, am I really drawn to, right? The number one thing they're probably going to say is, well, it's cancer society or it's, you know, uh, cystic fibrosis or some other great cause because they're all great causes. But it's personal to them. And I think that unless you go through something in your real life, it's it's hard to take a personal kind of approach to it and, and fully understand it to your point. Well, and so and that's one of the things what before we really got rolling here, we just started talking about that you're gonna start doing your we, own we podcast. We just sat down. <laughs> we just sat down and started talking. Yeah. But um so, so I mean, you, you light up when when you start talking about the podcast. Tell me, yeah. tell me a little bit about the inspiration around that, and kind of how do, how do you want to see that come into fruition and, and kind of expand? Yeah, well, well the podcast just kind of came on a whim. I was speaking with a, a friend of mine, and um, she works with different branding and stuff, and she said, "Well, hey, like." You know, a friend of mine had thought about doing podcasts and it just kind of flipped in my my thought that, you know, I thought about doing a book and, and we talked briefly a little bit about that and that's still on my bucket list per se. But I'm a social guy, like I'm just a talker. And uh, I think that through my conversations with people, my audiences that I speak to as a keynote speaker, um, I have I have a voice. I have a, a message and and a conversation to hold with people, and it's really about uh, disability awareness and advocacy. And you know, I tell a story about you know a little girl that inspired me. 
and this little girl was five years old. She had the same disability that I, I have, but she didn't have a voice. And so I kind of started on this journey of advocacy and public speaking about saying that, you know, her name was Bella, by the way. And, you know, I'm doing this because I want to be Bella's voice. You know, I always kind of say that to myself when I'm speaking with people is that, you know, you're, you're Bella's voice and you're, you know, you're the voice for all those kids out there, all those just, and it kind of spread past cerebral palsy as I got more and more involved in the disability community and with Max. Given my platform, you know, I feel that I can be a voice for disability in, in general uh, and give another perception to uh, society out there. And uh, what better way to be a voice than have a podcast. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And maybe you can help change some of those definitions. You I'd know, like to the I, I I love it to the diffabilities. Yeah. Um, you know, as I don't know if that was recorded or not, but yeah, you know, it, it came to me about just the word disability itself and how there's a negative connotation to it. And um that was never cool with with my family growing up and with my friends in my community. And uh, they never saw me as having a disability. I was always treated fairly and equally, just like my brother and my sister. And, you know, in fact, my, uh, my school wanted to hold me back in like first grade kindergarten. My mom said, absolutely not. He's no different than his brother. He'll go through you know, the, the schooling, just like his twin brother. And, uh, so the word disability has really been a sore point for me for a while. And, uh, you know, last night with the help of a friend of mine, uh, I thought of the, the word diffability. And, uh, if you think about it, we're all kind of disabled in a way, no if, doubt. if you keep that going, um, yeah, if, if you really think about it, we all are. You know, you can do things that I can't do, and I can do things that you can't do. You know, we sit here and we sit here with Chris as well. And Chris, neither of you have a quote-unquote disability. But there's things Chris can do that you can't do and vice versa. And you were both two able-bodied people. Well, we just yeah, yeah. And, you know, human nature. Michael, what, what came to my mind too is that oftentimes – our disability is on the inside. Yeah. So it might not be something that's visible, but I think we all, you know, one of my famous quotes that I I use a lot in therapy in my office is none of us get out of childhood unscathed, you know, and you talked a little bit, I I heard on one of your previous interviews about being bullied and what that does to our belief systems. And I think that's true that some people carry around their quote unquote disability or their scars on the inside. And some people have more difficult time healing from that. So we might not see it, yeah, I think, but it's there. Yeah. I think everyone's kind of um, at a point where they, they hide some of who they are, you know? And uh, I did that for 30 years. No one knew I had a, a disability. In fact, I sat down with a colleague um, a couple nights ago at a happy hour and um, having a conversation with him, telling him that I was doing some recent speaking and kind of my, my philanthropy work. And he asked how I got into it and I told him and 
said, yeah, I, I have cerebral palsy. And he, he looks at me and he goes, oh, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know you had a disability. And um, for that reason, it's so mild, I, I hid it for 30 years. You know, and you, you talk about kind of emotional disabilities, maybe that people keep inside. And that's part of my reason for the podcast is I want people from all disabilities to come forward and say, hey, like, this is who I am. And I'm proud of it and give them a microphone, you know, yeah. to, to share their story and for people to kind of have common ground, you know. And then the beauty of it is I hope that through it, we can help to to start to shift that narrative with uh, with the societal view. Well, let me ask you this. What what happened at 30 that that helped you kind of lift the veil? Yeah, I, I met Bella. And that was it. Um, you know, someone asked me to to speak at a foundation about my at Gala, about my um my life growing up with cerebral palsy. And uh yeah, I mentioned that, you know, it's mild, not a lot of people view it. Uh, but, you know, as you well know, my my family has a celebrity aspect to it uh, with my brother. Uh, and for people don't, that don't know, it's Ashton Kutcher. It is. Yeah. And, um, you know, there there was a point in his being a celebrity that, that you know, there's good things and there's bad things to, to being in the limelight. Uh, some good things and one of the greatest things above all is that, you know, you have the ability to, you have a bigger platform and you have the big ability to give back to other people. And he taught me that. Um, and that's why I do what I do. Um, but with that, there's also kind of an unveiling of family dynamics and underlying issues, maybe if a family mm -hmm. uh, and a celebrity family. And um, one of the things I wasn't comfortable with at the time that he he divulged was that I had cerebral palsy. Uh, and I think he did so on like a Nightline show or something. I remember calling him and just saying, you bro, like, what do you, like, well, why are you outing me? Like, why are you doing this? Mm. Uh, because it's it's personal to me. and. Yeah, I make jokes about it and stuff when I talk to people. Um, but it was, it was scary for me. It really was scary. And what was the fear, Michael? What was what were you afraid of? Societal views. I mean, yeah, I just spoke about a colleague that didn't even know I had cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, at that point, like, what's your employer going to say? Are, are they going to think that you can't do things as good as your peers? What are your friends going to say? Are they going to kind of maybe baby you a little bit more or think differently of you? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I was single at the time, trying to date women. You know, it's difficult out there dating when, when you have a disability. You know, because people are viewing you differently. You know, so it was very scary and very difficult for me. Um, but then I met Bella, and it was like, I kind of should be ashamed of myself that I'm denying myself having this disability when this beautiful young five-year-old girl that's so vibrant and so happy just to be alive. 
um, is smiling all the time. And uh, that's why I kind of looked in the mirror and I was like, you know, you due to your brother, you have a bigger platform. You know, you need to, to be Bella's voice. And that's kind of kind of where all that came about. So that that was transformative at 30. And you kind of, like you said, you kind of were able to come out of the closet then yep. about, you know, that, that I've got CP and mm-hmm. and maybe embrace that and maybe be able to look at it yourself as not such a, a disability, but now that you have the ability to go out and advocate for people that don't have a voice. Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, that's, that's important to do. That's important to just work within that network and, and you know, show people that, that we all have the ability to achieve greatness, you know, no matter what our disability is. And, you know, I, there's other trials and tribulation trials that I've gone through in my, in my life that I speak about. And it's really about overcoming obstacles, you know, and that's what, you know, I'm looking to, to bring to the podcast of, of hearing other people's obstacles and how they overcome them. And, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, and, and you're such a great voice for that. And, and I heard on, on one of your interviews, like you are like this miracle guy anyway. Um, you know, you've had these amazing miracles in your life. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wondered if you wanted to share any of that on the show that you've just had, or if you feel like you've already done that interview too much. <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, you know, ask away, I guess. Um, I, I, you know, I love to share my story. Um, and it's just, I hope it brings inspiration and hope to people. And, and, you know, sometimes I, I feel a little drawn out when I'm after giving speeches and and wondering if it really resonates with people. And then you get people that write you or they, they come up to me and they say, you know, you, you helped me get past this, or you really motivated me or inspired me. And, and. I look at my life and I, it's my life. It's all I know. Um, I, I don't look at it as being miraculous or, you know, overcoming all these odds. I guess I have, if I, if I look back. Um, but to me, there, there's no other choice, you know? So, um, to your point, I guess, um, the other obstacles. Well, what was really powerful for me in listening to that was, when you were 13 and I, I mean, it just hit my heart and sitting there, you know, watching TV with your mom, eating some popcorn yeah, and talk about what happened. So at 13, uh, I'll kind of boil maybe a, a larger story down because we could be here for hours. Um, yeah. I mean, long story short, um, there was an illness that led up to a, a cardiac arrest um, at age 13 and I essentially was giving um, hours to live. And um, that was 28 years ago in 1991 um, uh, that I received a, a heart transplant from uh, from an individual. And, you know, I still vividly remember those memories to those day, to this day, and those every, down to every last detail. And I think that that's just part of you know, when you talk about the, the emotional scars and the, the disability maybe we all hold inside, um, I've found a way to channel that to 
make it a positive experience in in my life and hopefully you know tell the story and hopefully it resonates with other people as well well there's that wonderful piece and and you alluded to it a little bit here and and, and you have in in other interviews where it's like you you just continued to thrive you're like i'm not just going to survive i'm not just going to be the victim of circumstances through your life you've continued to thrive and now you're even taking that to the next level yeah I, with advocacy i don't think the the i mean in my mind no one deserves to to sit around and be a victim um we all have the ability to persevere and stand up and, and kind of charge on. And, you know, I, when I speak to people, it's about doing things for yourself, right? And because no one else is truly going to do them for you. I mean, not even the wealthy of wealthiest that have, you know, the, the clan around them to, to do stuff, have the ability to do every single thing for them. Um, you're in control of your life. And um, unless you take control of your life, you have no reason to complain at all, um, is, is, is my thought. And I also kind of think about this notion of, you, know, you tell me the worst of worst things, worst of worst negatives, and I'll give you a positive for it. It just, they're, there's always a positive in every single negative and it depends how you perceive things, how you, how you view things and the action that you take within that in your, in your own life. I mean, I, I think that's exactly right on. It's interesting to me because one of the myths I think that people have is once you adopt the mindset that you have, which I think is so right on. You know, it's this mindset of no matter what happens, I'm going to find the good in it. I'm going to find mm -hmm. the silver lining or I'm going to find the lesson. Um, there's this myth that once you get that mindset that nothing bad ever happens to you, that, that life all of a sudden stops being challenging because you have it all figured out. Oh, no. No, I mean, the, the shit still happens. <laughs> For yeah, sure. Right. For sure. And it, it, it goes back to an old quote that my dad told me years ago that I'll never forget and, you know unfortunately I've had to figure out the hard ways uh, a mistake made once is a lesson the same mistake made twice is a lesson not learned mm. we're all going to make mistakes we're all going to falter and fall down and there's going to be people that can pick us up and help us through things but yeah I mean hard times still come um, and it's it's how you perceive the hard times, and um, and what you do about it, you know, to to navigate through them. And and with the mindset that you have, what what is helpful is it it does make it easier. It's it's like you don't get unearthed by those negative times. You realize that life is going to have this kind of up and down, and that if if you know, you know, there's a lesson that can be something positive when those challenges or those obstacles do come. Yeah, it's and, not that it totally levels you. Absolutely, and I, you know, just to be kind of real for a moment, you know, I, I'm just human too, and I make mistakes. And even though I you know, preach positivity and you can overcome this obstacle and you can do anything you want to do, I mean, come on, the reality sinks in sometimes, and sometimes I gotta shock myself too, and and I think that's why I love speaking as well. 
and telling my story because every time that I tell my story, I relive my story. Mm-hmm. So I kind of remind myself, hey, remember that, that hole you're in right now? You're the only one that can get out of it. Um, so, in, you know, hey, I, I feel like I'm in holes almost weekly. Well, daily. It, yeah, well, and I and and I really appreciate you being really real and authentic because I think everyone goes through these struggles. I mean, life life is difficult. It, it's wonderful and it can be very, you know, joyful and it's difficult. And you know, I've heard the saying that we teach what we most need to learn. Yeah. And I know at times that's been true for myself as well. No, Nina, I I think that you you teach and you learn just through life itself, you know, and, and also I think just interacting with people and, and, and learning their views and their, their perception of things. Um, there's a story that, you know, I, I know my brother spoke of quite frequently of, you know, he always felt sorry for me you know, growing up and with having a disability and getting that, that bad end of the stick, right? Um, when he was a healthy twin and, and, you know, debatable if he has all the looks or not, I disagree, but, um, you know, he, he was really kind of felt sorry for me. And at one point we had discussion about it and I said, you know, Chris, I said, every time you feel sorry for me, you make me less, Mm. you make me weaker because don't look at me as needing this handout. Look at me as equal. But like maybe, yeah, maybe I have to try harder. And that's one thing that amazes me about the this community that, that I'm involved with, the disability community, is that these people are fighters because it's all they've known to do their whole life. And we were talking earlier about, you know, my life and the way I view it. It's all I've known. All I've known is wake up in the morning, take a handful of pills, go to bed at night, take a handful of pills. It's all I've known for 13 years. Learn how to adapt using your left side of your body versus both sides of your body. It's all I've known because of CP. It's all I've known for my whole life. It's the lens you look through. Right. Yeah. I want to rewind you back just a little bit because one of the things that we had spoken about really briefly, but it, it's it's important to me because I think you have a really important message um, for people that are being bullied. You yeah. know, what you, when you had talked about before being a kid and and having those experiences on the playground. When I worked for the school district, that's one of the things I did is I went into the classrooms and taught this program called bully proofing Yeah, and and trying to teach kids how to deal with it because it doesn't matter what shape or size you are. It seems like everyone gets bullied. What do you communicate to people about how to handle that? Yeah, my favorite audience is probably the youth, you know, because they're just so vulnerable. Right, and they're so they have the ability to just kind of dial in and absorb everything you you hear. And I think that when you get on an even level with them, and you say, "Listen, I've been there too," and also, yeah, you know what? I've been the bully. 
mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that some people are naive when they say, oh, I've never done that. You know, I think you really have to check yourself and, and realize, you know, maybe I've done that to some people as well, and I'm sorry for that. But the overall message, once you get past that and make them realize that you're you're on an even level with them, is understanding that, that we are all the same. You know, and and our differences aren't what aren't what divide us. And you know, one of the greatest abilities that Bella had was just to inspire me. Yeah, and then I, I talk to people as well, to the young people about being themselves. Because I think that a lot of bullying comes from peer pressure. And I think that a lot of bullying comes from not knowing who you really are. Because then you, if you know who you really are, then you can use someone else for who they really are and appreciate that. So I talked to people about, you know, long story short, like, you know that song your friends are listening to? The whole, like, grades listening to? Do you really like it? Think to yourself, like, do you really like that song? My my son listens to Drake right now, and I I don't know why. <laughs> I hate it, right? Um, and and you know it's because everyone's listening to it, right? And right. Um, but I'll switch the channel to country because it's what I like. <laughs> um, but and then, then it goes further, right? It's um, those Jordans, right? Do you really like them or do you buy them and make me buy them? Because your friends like them. And it's all this peer pressure. You know, I'm sure you've walked into a store. I know I have. When I was younger, I walked into a store and I was like, man, I really like that. Yeah, but I don't think anyone else will. So I'm not going to buy it. Right? So I think it's, I try to help people understand become more in tune with who they are to appreciate other people more. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I and I and I love something that you said a little bit earlier, which was um, you know, that we're all the same inside. It, it's hard to do though. Right. It's I mean at that age, I mean, because if you go outside the the realm of the clique, mm-hmm. you're an outcast. Well and yeah, and at that developmental stage, mm-hmm. the most essential thing is belonging. Yeah. And fitting in. So I, I get where that peer pressure comes from. So, so let's also let's not forget that that's the lesson that you can teach yourself. Right. And, and it's hard to expect 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 year olds to, to have that that mindset to 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 embrace that. Right. I'm very fortunate. My 14 year old has been around the disability community he he understands my uh what i advocate for and he's adopted it right so he's he's in good shape but i think that a lot of this starts at home too absolutely it, it really does and going back to you know i grew up where my mom was a personal development a teacher or we call it PDC, but it was basically it's, you know, um, 
kind of a, a coach or assistant to children with special needs. And so we grew up around this, right? I grew up with Tim that had cerebral palsy. And that was kind of the first time I ever heard that I had cerebral palsy. Was that my mom was like, yeah, hey, Tim. And but Tim's a walker, mom. I'm not a walker. Like, well, like I'm confused. Mm-hmm. It was like eight years old or maybe six. But you know, going back here, it really starts at home. But if home hasn't been influenced by it, if home hasn't been affected by it, it's hard to kind of keep that conversation alive. So therefore, I think that it's, it's important that the parents be in tune with what goes on at school. They be in tune with what goes on the playground. And they talk about when their child comes home and says, oh, yeah, um, we've got Charlie in our class and Charlie has to, you know, he wears hearing aids. Like, why does he wear hearing aids, mom or dad? And then you have a real conversation with them and not ignore it and brush it away. Because as parents, we are developing our children to be great role models in society. And society needs to push towards inclusion and, you know, disabilities versus disabilities. I absolutely agree. It has to start at home and that it can also really take place within our schools, like you're saying, with inclusion. And I think that's one of the things in talking about Charlie that really made the difference is his fourth grade teacher educated the whole class, the first day of school. That's awesome. This is what autism looks like. Yeah. You know, so Charlie's going to be doing some hand flapping. He's going to be doing some rocking. And that's that's okay. He's got some extra energy and that's what he does. And I am telling you, he was not bullied. I mean, it it was such a cool thing. And one of the books that I want to bring up that I think is so cool to start with elementary school kids, it's a book written by, I don't know the woman's name, but it's written by a little person. And the book is called Little Miss Squarehead. Okay. And it's a book where, you know, the the illustration is that this girl was born with a flat square head. And it kind Mm -hmm. of talks about how she has to go through gaining these gifts of courage and compassion so that, that she could handle these kids that were bullies. But the biggest realization at the very end is one of the gifts that she's given is she's able to see into everyone. And she's able to see that everyone has a diamond sparkling heart. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that's this essential piece that no matter what is manifested on the outside, no matter what, if it's a disability, no matter what it is, that we all have that. And, and so it's to help kids and help each other, to help grownups see that to yeah. see inside yeah and last but not least on, on that topic i just thought about this is that we need people role models to to tell people with disabilities that it's okay you don't have to wait until you're 30 years old to say hey i have cerebral palsy right it's okay to proudly be a part of this community the disability community and and to kind of you know shout from the rooftops say hey yeah like this is who i am and you know it was so awesome i was in i don't know if you know where delta colorado is 
I swear I've heard of it, but I don't know where it is. Where's Delta? It's, it is a long ways away. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's probably, uh, it's a long way from FOCA, out by uh, Grand Junction. But I was out there giving a, a speech uh, a few weekends ago, and there was this 13-year-old boy that I just happened to go in the restroom, and him and I were the only one in the restroom. And as we're washing his hands, he says, hey, my name's Jeremiah, and I have cerebral palsy. I mean, just crack, there I am. And I thought that was so amazing um, because, and it, it actually teared me up because I thought to myself, wow, he's 13. And it took me 30 years to be able to say that. So proud of that little dude. And um, I think that people, people need that mindset. And you know, I'm here to, to champion that and to, to help them through that if they need that. Programming on NoCo FM is supported by its listeners and by Audible.com. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, Audible.com allows you to listen to an immense library of books for every taste on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, tablet, or computer. Audible.com has a special offer for listeners which includes a free audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial. Learn more and get your free audiobook now at noco.fm audible. Here's something you might not know. NoCo FM is also a podcast network. Producing one-of-a-kind programming, like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So, if you like what you're hearing, make NoCo FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. have you looked to as your mentors? You know, I'm hearing Bella was one. As you've gone through your life, who are the people do you feel like that gave you that message about who you are? I mean, I'm hearing your family, your parents, who you are is okay and who you are is good enough and more than good enough. Yeah, it's it, definitely my family. It, you know, going back to just growing up with, with the five of us and the, the sense of inclusion that I had. I mean, I don't think my brother realized that I had a disability himself until we were older, until he finally, I think he tells a story about, like, he he realized that, you know, every time we, we play a sport, I seem to kick Mike's ass. Like, why is this? Well, it's, you know, Mike, you know, is horrible at sports. No, uh, just... You know, my, my disability kind of withheld me, and, and I, I don't think he really learned that I had a quote-unquote disability until we were older. It's because my parents and my family, and no one said the word. And not to say that we tried to hide it, but they just wanted to make it feel like Michael was no different than Chris or Tasha. And... I love my family for that and, and respect them for that. And then probably the single most person that was 
you know, barely got me, of course, on the platform I'm on, but uh, the single most person in my life is, is definitely my brother, you know, my twin. I really look to him as almost like a, a hero figure of, you know, a mentor and someone I've looked up to all my life. He's taught me some of the most amazing messages that I've ever learned in my life. Um, he's led by example all the way. Um, we're probably never gotten in philanthropy if I didn't see him doing so as well. And if I didn't um, hear the message that he received from it. Uh, I remember him sitting me down one day and, and, and just telling me and teaching me that the most fulfillment you'll ever receive in your life is from giving to other people. And he, he, he told me that, and then he led by example. And he's right. And it's, you know, it's, it's the unselfish desire to give to other people and not want to receive from it. They're, to me, it's just beautiful, you know, and, and I'll forever be thankful for him and for, for what he's taught me. And, I, you know, I think it, it goes both ways because you've heard some stories that, you know, I've I've inspired him as well, and I think that's that's a beautiful thing about being a twin is that ability to to lift one another up at all times because you're always with someone all the time. So you truly are gifts to each other. Yeah, I you know being a twin is just unexplainable. I feel and. We we all have our gifts. We both have our gifts, and and yeah, guess going back to you know when I speak to children about being their own person, um, there was years that I was always you know Chris's brother, and and I was kind of okay with that. I kind of hid behind him, and and yeah, it wasn't until I found out who I liked, who I was, what music I liked, and what clothes I liked, and found out really who Michael Kutcher was that I began to grow into myself and he he kind of you know he allowed me to do so and 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 uh it's it just it's unexplainable um being a twin so uh, i love it do you guys still do projects together or do you have any projects or foundations that you work on together we don't um you, you know he we both champion each other's work that we do you know he he runs a foundation called thorn for um, the sex trafficking of women, which is a huge problem in our in our world today, and unfortunately our country as well. He found a cause that maybe he wasn't even tied to, but he just found a cause that had need, and he decided to tackle it. Um, so I'm very supportive of that, and uh, I know he's he's very supportive of, of my work and uh, and champions that as well. Someday maybe we'll collaborate, but. Yeah. Not right Who now. Knows? Not Who right knows? now. You know, I, I think this concept of how good you feel when you give. And it used to tick me off. My mother used to say to me, you know, when I was in high school too, if, if I was having a rough day and kind of feeling down, she'd say, well, you probably just need to go volunteer somewhere and you'll feel better. <laughs> yeah. You know, and as a teenager, that ticked me off. But But the truth was when I would go do that, I used to go to the nursing home yeah. and I would read for 
different people that were blind or that weren't able to do that. You do leave and you, you know, you, you leave somebody with a smile on their face and you've given something, like you said, without expectation of anything in return. When and that's I, golden. I, I think that's the key um, is without expectation of anything in, in return. And I try to teach my kids that. It's, so, it's one of the most valuable lessons I've ever learned in life. And it came from my brother was, you know, the, the unselfish desire to give back to other people and, and not, you know, not expect anything. Um, because the moment, the moment you expect something, the moment you expect thank you, or, oh, you shouldn't have been such a great guy. And I can't believe you did that. You're amazing. You're taking from the moment. And you're taking from, from them receiving what you're giving them. You know, there's, there's a lot of stories in my life where, you know, I'll be out with, with my son. And, I'll, you know, I wouldn't say I purposely do an act of kindness because there's something in me that wants to. But I purposely make sure he's aware of what's going on. Because it's not to, to say, hey, dad's great. It's to teach him that it's important to give back to others. You know, if only the world would, would do more of that. You know, I, I spoke at a, a wonderful place in, in uh, San Antonio, Texas over the weekend. Um, they, they built a theme park for children with, with disabilities and people with all, uh, all abilities. And I, I said to him, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to have a lot of time to be a philanthropist. You just have to care and, and be an individual that cares about people and the well-being of people. And, um, yeah, I try to, try to live by that every day. It's hard, but, yeah, I'm not the, you know, the shining star out there by any means. Um, but, you know, I try to remind myself of that. And, and you're modeling it for your son. Right. If you had one message that, that you wanted to bestow, if you will, upon your son that was really important for you as a father, what would that be? Wow. Is this like your signature question? No, I have no signature questions. I thought of this today, though, thinking about you being a dad and <sighs> how important that is. And and it's almost like, you know, sometimes we think of if we just had like one piece of wisdom we could take and say, okay, son, this is what I, you know, is, is important for me that you get, that you know. Yeah. Um, and Jackson and I, uh, we've been through a lot because I've, I've been a single father with Jackson since he was one. You know, and it's, it's another one of those, hey, no one else can do it for you moments. You know, so we've really built that bond. And I think that he's hopefully I've demonstrated, you know, the, the kindness of the world to him and, and taught him, you know, the best I can. Um, you know, the one thing I would have, my mind just goes back to, to the gift of, of philanthropy and, and giving back to other people. And there's, there's a sign that hangs in our in our house that says someone is less is happy with less than you have. And 
instilling that in him and, and making him, you know, not be selfish for gifts or the material things or even the attention. Uh, I think the attention sometimes is worse than material things for some people. He's already an amazing human being, so um, hopefully I've done enough to instill him. But uh, yeah, the one thing would probably just be constantly be looking for ways to get back to people, to get back to society, because in the end, it'll just make you a better person. So somebody is happy that has less than you have. Somebody uh, is happy with less than you have. Somebody's happier. I love that. You know, and it sounds like you got that message also from Bella. Yeah. And that that's carried I mean, that's, on. That's, that's powerful. That's, yeah, it, it, it's not, when I read that sign, it's not meant to be, oh, he's, you know, he's driving like a Ford Taurus and he's happy, right? It's, it goes back to everything in life. It goes back to, you know, having the ability to do something. Someone might not have the ability. It goes back to, you know, waking up in the morning. I mean, we take so much for granted. And uh, I joke with people a lot of times. They, they, you know, maybe they're in a bad mood or something. And so what, what do you have to complain about? You, you woke up. You know, there's some people that didn't have the opportunity, right? You know, and you got to look at your children once, one more today, one more chance today to to tell your wife or your husband that you love them one more time today. Um, isn't that enough? Who cares about that jag you don't have or the the you know the house you want? Embrace the things you do have. Even just small things. Louise Hay is, are you familiar with her? I'm not. She is, she is a big uh, guru. She, her big publishing house was Hay House. She passed away oh, yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Okay. But she's, you know, I, I still listen sometimes to her morning meditation that is exactly that. It literally says, as you get out of bed, be thankful for the warm bed you just get out of. You know, be thankful for the warm water. Be thankful for the fact you have a car. And as you start taking inventory of those things and just starting your day off with that kind of gratitude, yeah, my God, I mean, it primes your day in such an amazing way because you're looking at it through that lens of, I have so much. Yeah, I um, I was given an opportunity years ago. I never took it, um, but it, it's definitely on our bucket list is to to take my family to an impoverished country, and. Yeah, I think it's a lesson for all of us, not just kids, but just to understand that we have it pretty damn good here. Even if you're in poverty here in the U.S., you still have it pretty good compared to across the world. And I think that some people just need perspective, and it's important. We're definitely blessed. We are. Definitely for sure. blessed. So coming full circle, I, I wanted to share with you, there's an end to my Charlie story. Okay. And so, you know, that was quite a while ago. How, uh, how old is Charlie now? Charlie is going to be 21. That's awesome. Now. Okay. And last year um, at my 50th birthday party, this kiddo who at one point 
you know, was so shy and did parallel play, did yeah. interact with others, drove 40 miles by himself to my birthday party to hang out with a group of about 45 people he did not know and was friendly and interactive. Mm -hmm. He's in college now. I mean, what a success. Well, I don't, I don't doubt that because, you know, you, you gravitate towards people and you want to share with people that have influence in your life. And you obviously had influence in Charlie's life. Um, I had a similar teacher in my life that growing up in Iowa, she was there for me going through the whole transplant and, and did some amazing things for me. And then she moved to Denver many years ago. And then I kind of found myself in Denver and we connected and I just went to her, you know, 60th retirement party and she's a dear friend and, uh, and you know, a big part of my life, you know, it's in, in kudos to you. You know, you, you probably were meaning to have that impact in his life, but being that he drove 40 miles to see you, you, you did. So, so kudos to you. Well, thank you. He he didn't mind as well. I yeah. mean, I think that's the important thing. It's shared. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a shared gift when you do that. And I think that's that's what I'm hearing the the big message of so much of the work that you're doing through the philanthropy, through your speaking, through your upcoming podcast is mm -hmm. really to help us see that interconnection. You know, that that we all it, you know, it's it's like we all have this connection. We all have our different disabilities. But that in the in the end, we're all just people. Well, we're all I, we're all here just doing the best we can. So I like to phrase it that you know, Bella taught me that no matter our differences or our disabilities, we're all the same peeps, and that's all it comes down to. Thank you so much. It's been so awesome yeah. to talk with you and and get to meet you. And thank you for the opportunity uh, to to sit down with you and share my story and have it be kind of the the opening for setting the stage for people with, with disabilities to have a voice and giving them a, a, a kind of a, a, a room to, to collaborate together and, and, and speak their mind. So thank you. My interview with Michael Kutcher was actually at times very emotional for me when he was talking about being 10 years old and going into cardiac arrest and just how scary that would have been and just the amazing things that this man has gone through and overcome and how he's persevered in his life it has just been amazingly inspiring. And the fact that he wants to bring it now to this public forum inviting other people to combine their voices and share their own experiences of not just surviving whatever their disability is, but thriving. I think that that's so inspirational to all of us because we all, no matter what we've gone through in our lives, like I loved his definition of disabilities, that we all have these differences and whether they're on the outside and they can be seen or whether they're internal and we hold them within, we all have challenges. We all have things that we have to overcome in this life. And we get that inspiration and we can see that spark in somebody else, then we, we can say, oh my gosh, I can do that too. 
And I think that's what his message is all about. It's like we have to take responsibility for our lives. When like when he talked about being eight years old and making the shot with his brother, we take responsibility, we make the shot, and then we do, we ignite our best lives. We decide, you know what? I am going to do whatever it takes to overcome whatever disability that I'm dealing with. And from that point on, we can live more exciting, more fulfilling lives. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.